Hello, and welcome to the Messy Truth About Leading People podcast with Nikki Roth, Rhea Welsh, and Gavin Fensmith. Hi there, welcome to the Messy Truth podcast. I'm Gavin, and I'm here with Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Gavin. Hi, everybody. So today we are continuing with our series on discomfort, Nikki, things that can make team leadership rather uncomfortable. And uh, we want to talk today about uh, the challenge of teamwork. So now we could go in all kinds of different directions with we this could. one. Um, we you know, could. We've had lots of experiences of sticky teams, shall we say. Um, but we thought we'd take a slightly different path this time with an experience you had recently, which has evolved into a really, a, well, A, a lovely story, but actually <laughs> we think quite a useful, instructive story for listeners. That's great. I would love to share this with our listeners. Mm. So I recently had an experience with two children in my neighborhood, mm -hmm. a 10-year-old girl and her 12-year-old brother. And I live in a rather, you know, open nature kind of area, and there is a small beach near my home. And the older brother had it in his mind that he wanted to rescue a lobster trap that had gotten stuck in the muck and mire of the beach. And he had tried many times on his own. And so he recruited his sister. And so as they tell me the story, one night they just took off on a bike and went down to the beach and they decided that they were, in fact, this was going to be the moment that they were going to free this lobster trap. So he'd, you said he'd wanted to do it for a while. He had wanted yeah. to do it had for a while. Had he actually tried to free the... He had tried on his own, yes. Mm. Okay. Unsuccessfully. So he recruited his sister, who was willing to at least start down the path with him. So I'm going to share with you what they then... You know, I happened to see them while I was taking a walk, and I'm wondering what the heck they're doing, you know, dragging this lobster trap... And they were so excited that they stopped and told me this story. And so they were both just so, so, so excited. And they said like, oh my God, look, we got that lobster trap. You know, that lobster trap that was abandoned on the beach. And, and I said, I kind of vaguely remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, how did you manage to do that? And that was kind of the last thing I said for the next five minutes. And out of the mouth of this 10 and 12 year old, they said, so you don't know us very well, but you know, usually we fight like cats and dogs. I mean, after all, we're brother and sister. So we don't get along all the time. But says the 10-year-old girl, we had a common purpose and a shared goal in mind. And she does not know what I do for a living, right? And, and she said, and we were going to free the lobster trap. And her brother chimes in and he said, absolutely, we were determined. I said, great. Well, how did you manage to do it? And then they kind of go on, they're both talking back and forth, back and forth, telling me all of the things that they tried to do. Well, first the girl had this idea, and then the brother said, but if we do that, then this and this and this might happen. And then the sister goes, oh, right. All right. So I don't think that idea is going to work very well. Let's come up with another idea. And they basically describe they had about five, six, seven different ideas. But the, the critical first step was how to get this unstuck from the muck. 
um, such a metaphor for the teams that we work <laughs> with, right? <laughs> and so they eventually came up with a great strategy, which required ropes and dollies and pulleys and all kinds <laughs> of, I mean, they got very complex, right? And I guess their father had said to them, if you're ever successful at this little venture, you must clean it off in the water. I don't want it around the house at all, if it's all dirty. So once they got it unstuck, then they had the task of how are we going to dip it into the water to get it clean? So that was a whole other set of experiments and stuff. And and it was very unwieldy. And, you know, for a 10 and a 12 year old, it, you know, was weighed enough and was awkward enough that they couldn't just pick it up and walk into the water with it. So then they were successful at that. And then they had to get it home. The third problem that they had to solve together. So what they did was the sister got on the bike, they tied the dolly to the back of the bike, and they secured the trap onto the dolly. The sister rode the bike while the brother ran alongside to make sure that everything didn't you know, go wrong and that everything was stable. And he would tell her to slow down or turn or whatever, gave her directions as to what was happening behind her. And voila, they were successful. And so I'm listening to all of this amazing problem solving, watching their thrill and excitement. And I said, I wish that you guys would tell me why you think you were successful this time. So then the sister said, once again, we had a shared goal in mind. And then the brother said, Did, did she use that actual language? Or did she that say, 10 year old language? Right. She, she didn't say, Well, what I wanted to do was the same as what he wanted to do. Not at all. She used, I, I mean, look, both of these children spoke in pretty sophisticated language, I have mm. to say. Mm. Um, no, she said exactly that. We had a shared goal in mind. Yeah. And then, the brother said, and my sister didn't throw her hands up and lose her patience early in the process. She hung in there with me because usually she would just walk away and leave me alone to solve this myself. So I really appreciated that she hung in there with me. And then they said, and we shot around a lot of ideas. In fact, the way that they said it was, we were trying to come up with, to see who had the worst idea possible. And then we would try to shoot it down or make it work. And so, you know, clearly they didn't evaluate what was a good idea and a bad idea. It was just, we tried everything and we talked it through out loud. And then they both used the word teamwork several times that we were working as a team. And so at that point, I mean, I just was like, oh my God, you know, like I have to go talk to a client tomorrow. Can I, you know? And I said, you know, kids, you know, may not know what I do for work. I said, but I help, you know, leaders and teams, you know, work well together. Do you mind if I tell this story? And the 10 year old sister says to me, oh, you can tell this story, but I really want you to emphasize this point. I really want you to tell them, tell all these grownups that we don't ordinarily get along like this, that even two people that do not get along with each other can solve a tough problem. End scene. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, of course, I did what I always do. I rushed to tell you this story of like, oh, my God, can you believe out of the mouth of babes, right? This amazing success story. And then you and I began to have a more detailed conversation about, okay, so if a 10 and 12-year-old sibling rivalry can work this out with no coaching, (laughs) they came up with exactly what we would tell clients, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they replayed it back. I mean, they did it. They went through the process of it and then they were able to replay it back, which I find really fascinating. Really Um, fascinating. But I think for both of us that it's particularly pertinent because, you know, we've had experience of one particular organization recently where the the team is so stuck in the muck. (laughs) Stuck in the muck. (laughs) So so to speak. So, yeah, and he just kind of played out as a kind of, wow, okay. And and it also was sort of boiled down to the simple, the simple essence of it, right? You can get caught up, I think, when you're working with a bunch of other folks, you get caught up in what's the real simple essence of what we need to really solve for here. Right. So this idea of the shared purpose or the end goal or the end purpose being crystal clear. Right. Absolutely crystal clear. And what is interesting is that he seemed to transfer that to her. I mean, she's young at that age. She's young. Yeah, she's yeah. going to follow him anyway, probably. But, but for some reason, she became really interested in getting that lobster pot out of the muck, well, you know, whereas he'd been thinking about it for a while. But right. In a, anyway, it became hers as well as his. That's right? so interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yes. I wonder how that caught fire for her. I mean, she knows, I mean, it's her brother, right? She knows him well enough and maybe, maybe she got invested in his success that became their success. Mm, mm. That she knew how much it mattered to him. It must have been a lot of fun. So maybe that was, (laughs) or maybe used part of her things, that stuff that she's interested in, parts of her her brain that she's interested in solving. To my knowledge, she is not interested in lobster traps. I think she's interested in eating lobster. Well, maybe that's even further down the line as an end game. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that is, that was just for me, there were two or three simple sort of boiling down to the essence of it. It's crystal clear. I mean, this organization that we've had experience of, it's stuck in the mark. I mean, the purpose is so vague. I mean, the individuals around the table have different purposes. So there isn't anything yet that is crystal clear shared. Would you well, agree with that? I might, no, I might say it a different way. I might okay. say that a year ago, they were crystal clear about the shared purpose. Got it. Okay. And as we were talking about, during the difficult times and the uncomfortable times of actually enacting and implementing some change, what happened? They lost sight Mm. of that clear purpose. And because it's hard, because it's uncomfortable, because they're not sure what the right idea is. Oh, they haven't done it before. So they haven't done it before. It's easier to give up, isn't it? It's easier to stop and go back to what you're comfortable with, what you're used to, what you're familiar with. And so I think what, and again, the organization that we're working with is one of many that we would say, even if they start out with a shared purpose, once they get to the hard part, which we always say to our clients, change is difficult, it's uncomfortable, you're going to have to step outside of what is familiar to you, be prepared for that, and do it anyway. Yeah. 
we know that there was always that uh, regression that takes place. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's sticking with it. And sticking with both it. Both of these kids were just stuck to it. Um, think this through. Let's experiment. If this doesn't work, let's exactly. try that. Right. But it's so easy just to regress, as you said, isn't it? It is really easy to regress. Where we were before, you know. And or, or in the case of this young girl, you know, as the just checking about, out, ju- just saying, oh, I'm not interested in this anymore. Exactly. Which is what has happened before. Right. And that's, I think that's what we see on the team that we're yeah. working with right now is that yeah. you have people checking out and then they're blaming yeah. the leader. Yeah. You know, it's all her fault. You know, we've all checked out. The other yeah. thing too, as I'm thinking about this now, these kids actually had three different problems to solve. They had the, let's get it out of the muck. Let's get it clean. Now let's transport it home. And I think for teams engaged in large change projects, as much as we tend to give the guidance of break it down into much smaller tasks, I think the enormity of the end goal for a lot of the teams that we work with and the organizations, I think it overwhelms people. And so what these kids did is it was actually three problems that they solved, mm. not one big one. Yeah, interesting. Break, yeah. So break it down into more. Yeah, break it down into smaller pieces. Yeah. yeah, achievable steps. Yeah. Right. That reminds me a bit of the elite sports people. That's what they yeah. do, right? Elite sports people, these high-performance athletes. My understanding is they break down the objectives into very, very small achievable goals. So – you know, for example, if you're a swimmer, it might be something like not a big goal like breaking the world record. It might be I want to take point two of a second off right. you know, my time in this race over the course of the next few weeks or whatever. But breaking it down into very, very small steps that are achievable. And once you've achieved that, then you're kind of set up for whatever might be your next yeah. You know, your next goal. So I, I do yep. like that idea. I like that too. The other thing I was thinking too is I got the sense as I was listening to their story that failure was not an option for these kids, that somehow banding together was going to be the winning solution, that going off on their own, you know, one of them trying it was not going to work. And I think that's one of the things that teams, I find, I mean, we say it so many times to teams, you know, the reason why you have a team is because you need the collective effort right? The brains, the manpower, all of it, right? And that you can accomplish very hard stuff with teams that you can't accomplish by yourself. And I think sometimes the teams that we work with, because they get the frust- the frustrations, because they can't break it down and feel little successes, because they don't know what they're supposed to do. The and, team know, itself starts to fray. To fray. Mm-hmm. And, that, mm-hmm. and actually... The, the sort of um, centrifugal force yes. at play, right? That's yeah, pulling yeah. them apart because they don't have that. And it's interesting with this boy and the girl, They again, there's he'd been thinking about it for a while. Yeah. But he knew he couldn't do it alone. Yeah. So, you know, again, another little parallel that I think is quite cool. Right. I also think that we certainly work on a lot of teams where the people don't necessarily enjoy each other. Mm-hmm. They don't like each other. They've mm-hmm. had conflict. Mm-hmm. And what I got from what these children were telling me is that you can overcome that. You can overcome the conflicts and the dislike, 
if that goal is crystal clear. If the goal's there, and to translate that into teams we work with, if the team leader does not get distracted, if the team leader sticks with it, focuses on whatever the thing is, the change, the project, the thing. And and excites everybody else. Yeah. When it gets hard, it's often because the thing itself is hard, but it might also be hard Mm -hmm. because the team leader has become distracted. Right. So I think in terms of what this series is about that we're trying to help folks with is change is hard, discomfort's hard, and that's where the magic happens. That's exactly right. <laughs> and as leaders of teams, that's the playing field, right? You know, with the right mindset, the growth mindset, that's the right. playing field you're in and you can move through it if you're willing to take right. it on. But knowing that's the playing field, if you don't take it on, that it's going to be bad things happen. Bad things happening. Yeah, yeah bad yeah. things happen. Right. So that's right. my story. Nice story, Nikki. Thank you. Yes, for telling it. And so I think the lessons to our listeners are obvious, right? Yes. Yeah. Don't think we need to beat that drum again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. Lovely to talk. And uh, yeah, we'll add another topic to this broader series on discomfort in a few weeks. All right. Sounds great. We'll talk then. Talk soon. See ya. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.